Hello and welcome to episode 766 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Wednesday, January 15th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Justin Mason. Good morning, Justin. Good morning. How you doing, buddy? I am well. Um, we are mid-January. We are in the home stretch of, of this month. And as you know, it really full-on turns to baseball once the Super Bowl is over. You and I are already fully in the mode. We, we've but been we in start the mode. to get Exactly. Like, we this get is all the time football. the other podcasts like start yep. coming up. We get all our football brethren as their teams get eliminated and then once the once the Super Bowl's over. So I get excited around this time knowing that uh you know it's it's like the the Jurassic Park. You see your your jello jiggling cuz you know the herd is coming. Everyone's coming back to baseball and it's great. I'm so excited, man. And uh honestly I cannot wait until it's full on draft season which like I said, a couple weeks until we're there. Yeah, and we uh, we, we got uh, nominated again. We did. We did. We will have an opportunity to defend our title uh, as the FSWA uh, Baseball Podcast of the Year. We are going against some friends, though, man. Some some very close friends and great podcasts. The Rotowire Podcast um, with James Anderson, Jeff Erickson, uh, Scott Jenstead, Clay Link, Todd, Todd Zola. Zola. I think I got Scott all Jenstead. The, yep, Scott and so Scott and uh, Jeff Erickson on uh, Sundays, and then um, I don't think Heaney will be on it this year with Jeff. So no, I think he's Jeff's no gonna have to longer. Get a new, he, he's working for the XFL. Yeah, he left the industry. So Jeff will get a new co-host during the middle of the week there until it's back to Todd, and then Wednesday or Thursday will be Clay and. James, who do the prospect show, it's excellent. So, Rotowire, and then of course, Rates and Barrels with Derek Van Riper and a little somebody named Eno Saris. Perhaps he can finally get his podcast of the year. Yeah, right. Because I mean, considering he, he we, got nominated a bunch, but I mean, well, then we Bryce we Bryce Harpered him. Yeah, the exactly. one when he left, mm-hmm. which yeah. you <laughs> definitely don't ever let him know. No, no, I, I, I would. That would be really tacky of me to bring up the fact that we didn't win until I came on the podcast and he left. <laughs> so it's a great, it's a great category. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I really hope we can defend. But if not, there's going to, there's going to be a great winner either way. And I'm not just trying to do like false humility. I listen to both of those shows the second that you know they come out every single day. So uh, I'm excited. But I definitely hope that we can defend. And a lot of great nominees, you know, uh, Jeff Zimmerman, Alex Chamberlain, uh, yourself in other avenues. Thank you very much, by the way. Congratulations. And uh, and Ariel Cohen. So Fangraphs stand up, Friends with Fantasy Benefits stand up, and the industry at large, just seeing friends get nominated. I'm really excited for the awards, which I believe are going to be in a couple weeks, right? Yeah, I believe, yeah, in a, in a few weeks. You, usually it's like mid-October, or sorry, mid-February. Not mid October, um, but uh, yeah, our friend Alex Fast. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, nominated. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, his excellent uh, work on the CSW piece for mm-hmm. Piece of the Year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just like I said, go go FSWA on uh, on Twitter, and you can find all the the nominees, and there's just fantastic. And you know what I like to use it for, and pretty well covered these days. But like when you know these awards have been going on for a while. I used to use it for like, oh, here's who I have to start following and figuring out. 
I'm missing this folks, you know, this person's stuff. I got to jump on board. So if you are looking for some new people to kind of, uh, you know, know who you need to follow, check out the finalists and you, you do yourself a favor there and, and get on board with that. Yeah. Especially cause yeah, there, there's a lot of, there are, well, there are a lot, a lot of ton of people in, in the industry. Uh, I mean, TGFBI this year is going to be at least 22 leagues. Uh, so, I mean, just a ton of people in the industry, and so it's sometimes hard to kind of figure out who to follow. So, yeah, FSWA Awards uh, are definitely people you should be following. Um, I know, like, I-, I was really stoked to get nominated, obviously for this podcast, but also Friends Fancy Benefits uh, got an all-sports podcast mention, mm-hmm. so, uh, which, is, which is really, really cool, even if we don't win. Just kind of cool to get a little of attention over there. Um, and then just, yeah, a ton of our friends getting nominated and a ton of people at Fangraphs getting nominated. Let me include uh, Mike Podhorser, too, by the way, there. I don't want to leave him off as one of our own uh, as well. So congrats to everyone who got nominated. Can't wait till the the awards come out. And, of course, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks' time when uh, when it happens. But we've got some baseball to talk about. Obviously, the free agent pool has dwindled. There's not uh, that much left, but there's still plenty going on, it seems. And... We saw the last giant chip fall. I still think that uh, Nick Castellanos and Marcelo Zuna, Yasiel Puig are quality outfielders who can make an absolute difference, but they don't they don't stand up to to Josh Donaldson. So Josh Donaldson was the last giant piece to fall, and I think he went the surprise route for most. But I think when you look at it, this was exactly the right move for him. Josh Donaldson goes to Minnesota on a four year deal. Um, I think it was 92 mil again. We don't care about terms as much in fantasy unless they are going to somehow affect the playing time or something to that effect. And uh, there's a club option for a fifth year. But we'll worry about that down the line. So he goes to Minnesota and he basically fills in single handedly almost for Crone and Scope. Obviously, he's only replacing one of them. He's essentially replacing Crone because Sano is going to go over to third or excuse me, going to go from third to first. But his his impact, I think, you know, kind of covers the loss of both of them. Plus, I like Luisa Rice, who's actually taking over the second base spot. So it's not like they haven't uh, adequately filled in for scope. So I like this move a lot here. And it was down, it seemed, to Minnesota, Atlanta, and Washington. And he chose Minnesota, a team that's ready-made, already really good. Uh, all they lost were Cano, or were Crone and Scope. And like I said, now they've fully replaced them. They've added pitching. They kept Odorizzi, added Bailey, uh, re-upped Pineda and Hill. They're going to be coming down later in the season due to suspension and injury, respectively. Their bullpen has some depth to it. This is a team that's ready to win. They won the division last year. It's gotten a little bit stronger with the White Sox, but a little bit weaker with the Cleveland Indians trading Kluber. I thought this was the right move for Donaldson. What did you think when you heard the news? Uh, I was surprised. I really thought he was going to end up back in Atlanta. I think he was just waiting for them to give him one more year, and they weren't willing to budge on that for him. Did they not go the four? I don't think so. I think they oh, may okay. have done like three with an option type thing. Yeah, but I he thought, gets I thought I heard, an option in yeah, Minnesota, I, and the buyout is huge for that option. The buyout's eight million. So yeah. even if even if they don't get that. At that point, you're going to be talking about like a 39 year old getting eight mil mm-hmm. if he if he's washed at that point. Yeah, getting away. eight mil to hang it up is <laughs> yeah. pretty good. So, um, but yeah, I hear you on thinking that Atlanta was going to do all they could. And we're going to get into them in a moment. Um, 
But I thought from his, if you lay out his options, this is the best path back into the playoffs. And you're just trying to get into the dance. How do you feel about um, the Washington scenario of like World Series hangover? How much do you buy into that? I think we see it in a lot of years, but you can't really quantify it. And I don't know how much you can expect it. But do you think there's anything to that of like, does he want to go on a team that, you know, I don't want to question their drive because I don't know these guys, but it has to lower a bit after you win. Like, that's just human nature, no? I don't think so. I I, I don't buy into those kind of narratives. I think World Series or, or Championship hangovers, because we, we talk about it in, in football, too, mm-hmm. uh, you know, after you win the Super Bowl, it's... You know, the team that loses tends to not make the playoffs the next year. I just think it's really hard to maintain excellence and be great. Especially in football, because you have to stay healthy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's a bigger war of attrition than even uh, he, baseball, obviously, has their Baseball's injury. only got five spots per league for the playoffs. Six. Or, sorry, six spots uh, per per, uh, per league for the playoffs. So, uh, it's, it's just very difficult to be great every year. And exactly. If, if you win a World Series, the only place to go is down. I mean, unless exactly. you repeat. Yeah. So it's not like there's you can going get to be, better. When there's going to be some regression, even if it's not a World Series hangover, it's, you know, generally a lot of great years go into a World Series winner. Like Strasburg had his best year. It's really hard to project him to, to repeat, let alone get any better. So, yeah, I just felt like, though, if you lay out the three options, his easiest path to the playoffs is Minnesota because that division isn't very difficult. They're a really quality team. I think Atlanta and Washington both have great chances at the playoffs. In fact, I really think Washington's done a pretty good job of filling in behind the loss of Rendon. They've done it with depth, so it hasn't been that confined one player who gives you seven wins the way he does, but they've put a lot of depth there. They've made their bullpen a strength, but now Atlanta – I want to talk about them. Hang on, let's finish. Let's finish yeah, before, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, before because this has some effects on other players on the Twins. It because does. Miguel Sano is going to move over to first base, uh, which he, I think is a positive. That's your boy. Are you excited that he is going to maybe have a little bit less of a defensive strain over at first and maybe keep him healthier? That is exciting. The fact that he's probably going to plummet down the lineup is not exciting. Oh, that's a good call. So, um, let's mean, also he was like the middle of the order the... guy, like fourth or fifth in the lineup, and now roster resource has him batting eighth. Whoa, really? That's because I mean, unless you're going to go three righties in a row. Oh yeah. I mean, there'll be days when Mitch Garver has a day off and things like that. Yeah. This also hurts Mitch Garver because you know a part of the appeal with Mitch Garver was he's going to be playing some first. Probably not going to be playing a ton of first anymore. So while this is great overall for the Twins, some it hurts some of their individual fantasy players. Uh, It doesn't mean like I still like the price on uh, Sano, and if you believed in Garver the way I know you did, uh, you do. It shouldn't really affect where you're willing to take him. Uh, That being said, you definitely need to readjust your projections for, you know, RBI and runs scored for, for Sano. Uh, but that added first base eligibility will be nice. That's yeah, that's a good call out there. And he did get, uh, he got an extension there, which again, contracts aren't, uh, aren't the, the number one Avenue that we talk about, but it was nice to see him get paid a bit with his 2020 outlook. I mentioned that 
going to first might actually help him. I and mean, he'll play some DH too, I would imagine. Um, Hard to do every that once with in a while Cruz. with Cruz, <laughs> but it, it can't can't be too much. But I think they throw Cruz out in the field every once in a great moon or or a nagging injury. So I think Sano will get some DH, but not nearly as much because of Cruz. And that's that's actually a bit of a bummer. Again, in terms of keeping a 34-year-old Donaldson or a health uh, a health related Sano who's I mean, never Cruz played did more not than play in the field at all last year. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, oh, he, I'd have lost the bar bet there if you said he, like how he many games did he play? Fourteen games at DH, and he came in as a pitch hitter six times. Wow, uh, I would have thought he had a handful out there. Okay, so that curbs. Okay, so no, not gonna get any DH. So he's gonna be first only. He's never played more than 116 games. His next 500 plate appearance season will be his first. The crazy thing about him is that he still put up full seasons of like home run totals despite this 25, 28. Only 13 and 71 games uh, in 18, and then uh, 34 this past year in just 439 plate appearances. Where do, where are you on Sano's outlook this year as far as a projection? What what are you expecting from him, and and can he find can he set a new high in in plate appearances? Are you projecting him for that? I am. I, I think if you look at kind of the injuries that have kept him sidelined, uh, they've either been kind of weird or fluky. I mean, he had Tommy John uh, coming up through the minors, which, you know, kind of shortchanged a, a few years for him. Uh, mm-hmm. Last year, it was like, wasn't it like a cleat? <laughs> like a, a heel laceration. Yeah. That got infected or something. It was something really weird and fluky. Uh, and then, I mean, he's had some kind of soft tissue things that are pretty directly related to his weight, which he has done a really good job of getting off. So, I mean, I think long-term there could be some issues, obviously, because he's not a guy who projects long-term to have a great body. But he's mm-hmm. in shape now. I mean, last year he, he walked 12.5% of the time, hit 247. Uh, he strikes out a ton, but the, the Twins are okay with that. They're they're will- Obviously, with a contract, they're committed to him. So, exactly. I think he's going to get as much playing time as he can handle. Uh, and... My guess is, I mean, right now, depth charts has him projected for 142 games. Uh, and, you know, with with uh, with with 38 home runs. I don't know Ooh. how he doesn't get over 40 home runs if he plays in 142 games. And i got to be honest, I don't really care what the ball does. No. I think even, even if the ball is more power. neutral. Yeah. Exactly. So, Miguel Sano, if we can get him to a buck 40 or higher, uh, I think 40 is... Very much in play as well. He's going, let's see here, since the new year at uh, on the Draft Champions, he's going 129. Uh, and you mentioned he's going to get that first base eligibility, which actually helps. First base is not as, as great as you'd think. You can almost make a case that you're going to be better off putting Sano at first over third because of the depth of third base. So this move is actually going to help him quite a bit. Uh, with Donaldson coming in, except for the fact, like you talked about, him moving down. But the extra positional eligibility, that'll be nice for Sano. Um, let's spin it back to Donaldson. Well, what are you before, expecting before, out of him? Before oh, we move ahead. off of Sano real quick, if you want to see something sexy, go check out Miguel Sano's uh, baseball savant page. Oh, uh, yeah. It's, blood red. It, blood red. His exit velocity and his hard hit percentage are both in the 100th percentile. <laughs> 
He's pacing the league, basically. I mean, yeah, it's now his ex-batting average, 12th percentile. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, you, you're getting trade-offs, but yeah. it's it's worth it. And we know that one of the things that we've talked about in the, in recent years is that a 247, which is what he hit last uh, last year, he had the 199 the year before, but then 264 the year before that. He's a 245 career guy. 245 is not the end of the world. With batting averages generally down, especially with some of these power guys, that's not that's not killing you automatically. The 199 does from 2018, so we know it can bottom out. But Sano, if he hits anywhere over 240 with all that power that you're getting, you'll take that. Uh, it, you got no problem with that, as far as I'm concerned. And like we said, what would you call it? Uh, big man strength. He's got he's got real man power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you does. can pair him with like a Brian Reynolds. Like to kind of help offset your average. Yes, you've got a combination of of guys who could probably hit fifty five home runs this year. And and then yeah, he'll uh, Brian Reynolds will bring up the batting average there. That's a nice little pairing. You get Sano first, a round or two later, you get Brian Reynolds, and all of a sudden you're set. And I like looking at things in those pairings where you're getting guys to offset other guys' uh, shortcomings. Let's talk Donaldson. Age 34, he rebounded last year, had health, played 155 games, and he was back to himself. I wasn't terribly surprised by that uh, in terms of if you had told me he was going to be healthy, I would say, yes, he's going to beast. Because that's kind of where we're at. I don't think we've seen anything in Donaldson's game to think that he's going to be anything short of excellent when he's healthy. Now, it was a drop down from his MVP caliber seasons, but it was still fantastic. 132 WRC plus with 37 homers and 94 RBI. Uh, is that where you're still at with Donaldson, even at 34, that as long as he's healthy, he's excellent? Yeah, it's just about health for him. I mean, if you go over to uh, uh, Josh Donaldson's uh, StatCast page, same type of thing. 90th percentile exit velocity, 97th percentile hard hit percentage, uh, 94th percentile ex woba I mean, it's just Ooh, like, like he is, uh, he's a machine. And the question is, will the machine last the whole season again? Uh, because, I mean, he had 659 plate appearances last year uh, after a year in which he really, really struggled to stay on the field. So, yeah, or, well, almost two before. years. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a gamble, obviously, because of the health, but I think one that I'm I'm, I'm willing to take, uh, especially because I don't think he's super overpriced. Currently going off the board at 105 uh, over the course of the last two weeks in NFBC. The 16th third baseman. That, that tells you how deep the position is and kind of goes back to what I was saying about Sano adding the first base eligibility. 16th for a guy who did that well last year. And again... Age is the only thing that I really would you know, see as a potential negative on Donaldson because if he's healthy, he's good to go again, and that lineup is so stout. So uh, I like what they did there. Great move by the Twins. They're all in, man. They're, they're, they're pushing their chips saying, we've got this division. Uh, you know, We've got a great chance at it, and then once you get in the dance, who knows? Now hopefully they can at least get a first round where they don't have to face the Yankees. Maybe face them in the LCS, but uh, <laughs> maybe they can get – a first round against another team so they can ease into the playoffs instead of getting well, swept I mean, out by e- the Yankees. It's either that or the first round against, like, uh, the Astros. Yeah, <laughs> so. who, you know, we'll talk about later. But 
despite all the stuff swirling around them, they're still a fantastic. Yeah, their team. team's not going to get worse. It's just you know they they just need to make sure they're not in the wild card. Like don't yeah. don't risk that one game scenario. Exactly. Let's talk about the fallout here. We mentioned that the two teams, the two runners up there, Atlanta and Washington. It was looking like you know if he chose one of them, he was really going to shift the power in the NL East. Uh, Donaldson was. Instead, they're both left holding the bag. However, I think the defending champs are a lot more well positioned uh, to to have gotten a no from Donaldson than Atlanta is. Let's talk about them first. If you go on roster resource and you look at Atlanta's lineup, you may be surprised to learn that it's three guys and a bunch of clowns. Like, it's three superstars, Acuna, Albies, and Freeman. So that's great. But then it goes Travis Darno, Nick Marcakis, Dansby Swanson, Ender and Ciarte, and Austin Riley. And that is so unimpressive for a team that's supposed to be premium caliber, playoff contending and defending their their division title here. Riley was the last guy I mentioned. He's the one currently slotted in at third. Remember, Johan Camargo's still there. Uh, he had a good season back in 18, but then completely fell off the map last year to the point where uh, he wasn't even playing because he was going to be in that super util role with Donaldson there, and it just didn't work, and I think he had some injuries as well. What do the Braves do at third base? Let's talk about the in-house options first, and then I'll get your thoughts on whether or not you think they're going to go out of the organization. Yeah, we're not really talking about Arenado, but maybe this is a spot we should. Uh, I mean, Arenado, there's been links to St. Louis Arenado. I wonder if now that Donaldson's off the board, that maybe the Braves get involved. That's what everyone has wondered, if they would get into the Bryant slash Arenado sweepstakes. Um, I do want to talk about what what they might have to give and how Arenado would fit there. First, interested in what you think about Riley slash Camargo. Would you want to invest in either, and which one, and what 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 are their outlooks for twenty? I'm not necessarily investing in Camargo, but Riley is definitely an interesting guy if he has the role. I mean, obviously, power for days. Uh, we saw that when he came up, hit 18 home runs in like, about a half a season. Uh, the problem is he didn't show any patience at the plate, and he struck out 36% of the time. Yeah, he was exposed. So he had that really hot start, uh, Austin Riley did, that, and then yeah, was the, exposed the for the remainder. <laughs> yes, and then in the Kino-type finish. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they both came up house on fire and then fell apart. Riley's felt more pronounced, maybe just because he had more playing time, but... Also, I think a bigger profile on him as well. I mean, correct. Like, Aquino was coming out of nowhere. Riley has well, and prospect. He, yeah, I mean, Aquino was also playing in Cincinnati on a really bad team. Yeah, whereas Riley's in the thick of a pennant chase. So, two twenty six, two seventy nine, four seventy one for Riley. Thirty six percent strikeout, and we talked about how Sano strikes out like that, but he walks double digit percent of the time. Whereas Riley, five percent. You just can't have that kind of mix. So all all in all, the uh, 80 games of played appearances, 297 of them, turned out to be a bit of a disaster for Riley. What can he improve to, though? What's a realistic line that he can improve to? Do you like where Steamer's at with him, or do you see something better or worse for Austin Riley? Mm, I'm going to go see what what Steamer's projecting for him. I got you. They've got a 250, 308, 475 with a 29% strikeout rate and a 7% walk. And that's 26 homers in 504 plate appearances for Riley. I think that's pretty fair. 
Like that. Yeah, they got him about a league average. Wait, say that again. They've got him about league average, ninety-seven yeah. WRC plus. That's uh, that seems about right. So we're we're talking about a guy who's gonna you know probably hit twenty-five home runs, hit two fifty, uh, strike out almost thirty percent of the time. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I haven't seen anything from him. I mean, because he was just hitting you know golf balls out, and oh, then yeah. and then pitchers started going outside the zone on him. And he continued to try to hit golf. And balls he followed. Out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he had a forty-one percent O swing percentage. Oh my goodness! In that a, O swing is swinging outside of the zone. Twenty point six swing strike percentage. That's that's insane, and that obviously cannot happen again. Mm-hmm. Riley needs to adjust back. The league adjusted to him in short order, and he, and we see it a lot, right? We see a guy come up, tears the league apart. They figure something out on him. They, they adjust, and then, you know, depending on how the rookie goes, it's their turn to adjust back. Riley absolutely did not. And he's a, so, he's uh, a guy that you want to watch to see what his strikeout-to-walk numbers are in uh, spring training. Because if he can show a little bit better patience at the plate, and those are numbers that typically, you know, have some correlation to uh, actual changes in spring training. You know, he, he may hit, you know, 10 bombs out, but if he's still striking out at like a 35% clip and only walking, you know, once or twice a week, that's, that's a real sign that, okay, he hasn't learned anything, but if he comes in and he's like, even if he's striking out a bunch, if he's still, if he's actually walking, uh, that to me is a, is a good sign that he's someone to invest in. So he, he's a guy that I'm probably not going to get highly invested in right now, Though he is going off the board, almost picked 300. That'll obviously shoot up. Um, but he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be watching for kind of my mid to late March drafts to see if I want to try to get a share or two. Yeah, I agree with you there on Riley. And I think it'll go up if if he is the the option, of course. But, uh, you know, it could he'll still, he'll still be affordable. He'll still be priced to buy, I think, for Austin Riley. So keep an eye on that. Let's talk about a potential trade scenario then first off let's just guess which is more likely and then we'll talk about what they'd have to give between bryant and arenado i don't think the bryant grievance is resolved yet is it with regards to his service time it is it is okay okay so he has just the one year left no he's got two years left oh wait yeah yeah yeah. he losing made it so the team has more control okay so that enhances his trade value what do we think about? I don't so which think one the do you Cubs think that... are going to do it. I just, I, I think that, I think both teams are very reluctant to trade the face of their franchise. I think the Cubs are very, very reluctant. Uh, you don't to do think, it. you don't think um, that as far as like offering up a bevy of prospects, though, that he might be a, Bryant might be the better way to go because. The, the tough part with Arenado is you have to put together a big package of uh, uh, for a trade and still pay him for like seven years. Yeah, but he's got an opt-out after two more years, which he'll likely take. That's a good point. So I think, I think the thing is, I think the Cubs and the Rockies are going to want similar packages for, for these guys. And I think it is clear which one is the better player. Uh, Arenado has got... Superior skills uh, has shown superior health. 
so I I would be very surprised to see Bryant go be traded before Arenado is traded. Um, and I think if Arenado goes for what I think the Rockies want, uh, the Cubs are uh, gonna will try to get the same and, and be disappointed when they can't get it. Yeah, I don't I don't think that that's going to uh, come to fruition there if they if they think that they can get the same thing. Brian's obviously a fantastic player, but Nolan Arenado is on the top of the 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 heap when it comes to third baseman. What are they looking at giving? Uh, if they're Atlanta, they've got all that pitching and they have uh, the two premium outfielders, Christian Pache and Drew Waters, who kind of headlined their offensive output as far as prospects. What do you think they're going to have to give to get Arenado, understanding that, that they have the big contract there that they could be on the hook for the entire thing? I don't think that I don't think the Rockies can like, you know, say. Plus, I don't even know that that would necessarily get you more in the trade to say like, well, he's going to opt out, so you, you have to give us more. So what, what, that's so interesting to me. I'm, I'm getting twisted just thinking about is that <laughs> well, a good thing or a bad thing? I almost think it's a good thing if I'm if I'm the Braves, though. I don't necessarily want somebody for seven years and trading for him for two years I'd be okay with. So what do you think they have to give for Arenado? Let's just focus on what you think would be reasonable there. Well, the report that came out a few days ago was that the Cardinals offered Matthew Libertor, Dakota mm-hmm. Hudson, Carlos Martinez, and Tyler O'Neill. Okay. Uh, and my feeling is if the Cardinals offered that, this deal would have already been done. You think so? Yeah, I think so. So the latest report was also that They've the things haven't really progressed as far as Arenado. They're exchanging names and they haven't truly offered. So to your point, if if they haven't really offered that, Mm -hmm. those are just names that are getting put out there. This would be a done deal, I think, if that had been offered. I just I think uh, Atlanta can definitely make a deal like that, and I think they could too. I think they've got the especially the upper level pitching Mm -hmm. uh, to trade, obviously, uh, in in guys like. Uh, Ian Anderson and uh, Bryce Wilson and Kyle, Kyle Wright. Wright. So I mean, they they obviously could get a deal done like this. Like they have the pitching depth, and obviously, I think, or at least from that offer, it would seem like Colorado is trying to address a need in terms of their pitching because they can't seem to develop their own guys in the harsh environments that they're in. So could you see something like? Mike Fultonevich, Ian Anderson, um, uh, Austin Riley doing it? Yeah. I mean, you don't need Riley anymore. He replaces Arenado at third base. Uh, Fultonevich is the Carlos Martinez-esque piece. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they get a a top-tier pitching prospect in Ian Anderson. Riley is the O'Neill piece, mm-hmm. so to speak, and then maybe a fourth add-on like a, a guy we're not like super a familiar with, some, or, uh, or, or or even or, somebody deeper, like like a like an eighteen-year-old or something. Yeah, I mean they could they could probably throw in someone. Uh, um, Tom, well, hmm. the hard part is Atlanta has been really hit hard by the. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, by kind of all the penalties from a few years ago that a couple uh, of trouble, and so like the top part of their rotation in the minor leagues and the top part of their 
uh, uh, prospects are great, and then it's not deep at all. So, like, if you go back and listen uh, to the Friends of Fantasy Benefits Braves pot, uh, prospect minute that Matt Thompson and I did, like, it starts on, like, a ripping, roaring start talking about all these awesome guys, and then it's like, and that's about it. <laughs> so, so they're very top-heavy mm-hmm. right now. But they could still get this deal done if they wanted, and um, we'll see if they do. If Okay, let, let's just put it to you. You're the GM. You're, you're Anthopolis. Is, are you doing this? Are you looking to do one of these trades, whether it's Arenado or Bryant? Or are you going in with, uh, with your in-house options and figuring it out? I don't know how you don't at least entertain it. I mean, you're, we're talking about a guy who is, I mean, at this point of his career, a Hall of Famer. He's only 28. Uh, going into his age 29 season. Uh, he's hit at least 37 home runs in each of the last five years. Or six years. And, or no, five years, yeah. And if, if you don't think that Nolan Arenado would be great outside of Coors, you you have no idea about yeah. baseball. I'm it's, just going to be honest. Like You have no understanding of how good a hitter mm-hmm. this guy is. It's Yeah, I mean... It, it, <laughs> he, if you look at his splits, obviously he gets a batting average bump from Colorado, but that's about it. Like yeah. he, hit, he hit one more home run at home in one less game. Yeah. He'd be an absolute monster uh, with Atlanta and man, he would just one guy. It, it's weird how sometimes in a lineup, one guy can flip it so much. You put him at four and all of a sudden Darno, Marquecas, Swanson and Enciarte at the back half after Acuna, Albies, Freeman, Arenado is a lot more palatable. Just that one superstar piece there. So um, I think they should be motivated here. Are you done on Atlanta? And we'll move to Washington. Yeah, let's move to Washington. And I mean, okay. Washington, I think, becomes much easier. I, I don't think they make this make a move. Correct. Uh, and I, I agree. They just stick with what they've got. They lost out on Donaldson. They've been attacking things with depth anyway. Um, Starlin Castro as Jubal Cabrera. They, they, they can bounce back and forth between second and third. Uh, right now we have... Cabrera Pentlin at third. They still have Carter Keyboom and the Miners, who they can finagle around as well. Like I said, they're going to attack this with depth. It's not a Donaldson. It's not a Rendon. But I don't think that they're necessarily all that worried. Their lineup runs deep. Um, and it doesn't have, you know, I don't think it has the same holes that Atlanta's does. Eaton, Turner, Soto, Thames, likely uh, Thames, Kendrick on a, on a straight platoon there. Starlin Castro as Jubal Cabrera, Kurt Suzuki, Victor Robles. There is some, you know, mediocrity there, but there's solid average everywhere. And that can be a winning formula. And of course, they still have premium stuff up at the top. I think they're going to be fine. I'm not even sure that they would entertain a deal here. And I just don't know that they've got the pieces to trade. Without, without decimating. Yeah. Well, and I think, you've, I mean, even if they, like, I don't think they could compete with the kind of offer that. Uh, that St. Louis or Atlanta would. I mean, they're they're not going to trade Corbin. They're not going to trade Strasburg or Scherzer. So, like, they don't have that rotation, like, ready rotation piece to trade yet. That's the thing. They really don't at all. Carter Keeboom would have to be the centerpiece, and and they just don't have a pitcher that they can really send back that's enticing. So I agree with you. I don't even know that we need to go much further because I just don't see it here. So... As far as Cabrera, Castro, Kendrick, I want to ask you uh, more about Kendrick. And he could play some third, too, by the way, even though he's not great at it. What's uh, what's his outlook 
in in your eyes this year after the an amazing season last year as a part timer. How much of that can he hang on to this? Obviously, it was like it was basically a career year at age 35. So he's gonna be 36 this year. I think he's gonna be overdrafted because people are gonna see those numbers on their sheet and have a hard time ignoring Kendrick. But I'm not really that keen on on going for him this year because I just don't know what the playing time is going to be like for a 36-year-old. Yeah, I'm going to readjust my time frame real quick on uh, uh, in, in terms of when I'm using my ADP. Just to, But, I mean, where do you think he's currently going right now without looking? i got to imagine it after pick 250. So I guess that's not... If I'm right, I guess that's not overpriced, but uh, he's currently going know, man. at pick three thirty-seven. Okay, okay, that's that that's even way lower than I thought. I, I thought I thought he'd be going higher just because those numbers are so sexy. You know, I forgot fantasy ageism though. The ageism trumps all, and well, the thirty-six-year-old and, and just... they've added all these pieces. So I mean, correct. Originally, correct. it looked like okay, it was going to be him and Carter Keboom. Uh, kind of, you know, sharing second base and third base duties uh, if Rendon leaves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they brought in Cabrera, they, you know, brought, bring back Cabrera, they bring in Starlin Castro, and now he's back to being a reserve role guy. So I think, I think the depth charts and steamer projections for him is very, very fair. A guy who is probably going to get about 400 plate appearances, hit 13 home runs, uh, you know, have a really strong batting average. He's going to be a guy that you have to be able to curate a little bit because he's going to sit, you know, it, probably mm-hmm. about half the time. Uh, and it's not going to be easy to necessarily predict in weekly leagues when, uh, when he's going to be playing and when he's not, especially if pitchers get moved around. But in, you know, NFBC leagues where you get to switch out those hitters, you know, on Fridays... Uh, in your daily leagues, I think he's uh, an interesting get because we're all looking for batting average as we get towards the end of a draft. True. And and Howie Kendrick, at the very least, should give you some batting average for the time he's going to play. You make a great point about being able to change your, your hitters for the weekend. You see three lefties coming up. Uh, you know They're going somewhere on, on a road trip that has three lefties get Kendrick in and he, you can really take advantage there. So, okay, I, I'll, I'll amend my concerns there. The price is fair. And so I'm actually inclined to, uh, to pay that price. All right, we're moving on. Let's talk. Uh, let's stay third base here. And I was going to use all this third base news to, uh, to kind of jumpstart our preview, but our previews are our positional previews are always at least two hours and neither of us have that kind of time today. So uh, what we'll get to, we'll get to those, soon but just not yet but uh, Todd Frazier speaking of a team that kind of lost out on the Donaldson sweepstakes now they had Todd Frazier before Donaldson had decided but I guess they turned their attention away from Donaldson they've been kind of loosely rumored in some of the Bryant Arenado stuff and right now Todd Frazier is going to be their opening day third baseman what do you think about Todd Frazier in Texas oh I mean I, I guess <laughs> yeah, you know, solid average last year. Pretty much has lived in the solid average level for the last four years. Dipped down to a 93 WRC plus in 2018, but that's not the end of the world as far as you know. As far as a major league team looks at fantasy wise, with that 213 average, 
that he hit in 17-18. That's tough. But he bounced back up to 251 last year with 21 homers. You know, he's someone that you kind of put on your bench and you get some you get some time out of, or if you're in an NL only now, AL only, um, you know, Todd Frazier has has some appeal there. He did lose the one thing that he'd been doing for for a long time, though, those those chip in steals last year, just one. And he was one for three. And so at age 34, those might finally be gone for Todd Frazier. But I kind of agree with you. I think you're you said, eh, I guess that's kind of where it's at. Right. It's 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 fine. There's no there's no problem, but there's no greatness with it as far as Frazier goes. He should plug into the bottom half of that lineup, which is a pretty deep lineup, by the way. Texas has a solid lineup, and uh, batting in between Calhoun and a guy you can't quit, Rugnet Odor, um, I think Frazier will be fine there as as the six hitter in Texas. Yeah, this, uh, I mean, I, I called it last year when I said, you know, before the start of the season that the the Rangers had a really good offense. Mm-hmm. And this has like this lineup is the Rugnet Odor of lineups. It really is. It's it's got so much upside and so much downside. That's such a good way to put it, dude. Yes, you know, can Danny Santana repeat? Can Gallo build on what he did in an excellent half season? Which Andrus are we gonna get? Uh, Calhoun, does he stay on his development trajectory? Frazier, Odor themselves, are, are they going to hit their their you know low two hundreds or can they meander in the two fifties? Uh, Trainos is going to kind of do his thing. I think there's still room for improvement at first base, though, uh, as I don't I don't really buy Ronald Guzman, and that does leave open the potential trade windows if they did want to get in on something. Like a uh, like an Arenado or Donaldson, or excuse me, um, Bryant, because then they could put Frazier to first, and then they would still have third base open if they wanted. But then I think we go. What you would probably say is, can they compete trade wise? And I don't think that they necessarily can. Right? No, I don't think. I mean, they I think can compete maybe a little bit better than uh, Washington can. Yeah, but like they don't have any like top tier prospects necessarily or guys that uh, are, are you know already in there like they're not going to trade away any of their major league pitchers to go get Aaron Otto. no because they love mm-hmm. where their rotation's at right now it, it truly runs five deep with Kluber minor Lynn Gibson Lyles and I just don't that's think, a good five pack yeah I just don't think Kobe Allard is really uh one would be an awful fit in Colorado oh my god that would just yes. be atrocious, and I just don't think he brings the same value prospect-wise that he once did. I mean, they they could trade a bunch. They could trade a bunch of their bats. They've got really interesting bats in you know Julio Pablo Martinez and Eloy Tavares mm-hmm. and Bubba Thompson, who's a a favorite of mine, and uh, Sharon Apostle. I mean, um, but I just don't think that they're going to have the package that Colorado, especially, is looking for. Uh, so I think this is what it is. This is the team they're kind of heading into the season with. Maybe they add a bench bat. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, with Nick Solak, like, this is just disappointing I was... because I really thought Solak was going to be this everyday guy. You took the words out of my mouth, though. At third base. Because that's what I was going to hit on. I love Nick Solak. I don't think – don't lose your hope yet, though. Yeah, because if Guzman Fraser fails again. Go to first, yeah. Bingo. And I, I think – I I would be honestly surprised that 
Nick Solak is on the major league roster on opening day and not playing every day. Like, what's Bingo. the point of having him come do short side platoon work with Ronald Guzman? So, in fact, yeah, he himself could play first. I, his defense isn't great, and I know Frazier's older, but his Frazier's defense might actually be better. But either way, there's still room for Solak to be an everyday guy here. Mm-hmm. Don't lose your hope there. Unless you're in a league with me, don't stop drafting Nick Solak. If you are in a league with me, he doesn't exist. Don't touch him. But uh, I have not lost my faith here. I'll pay it. I'll pay it all day. I got no problem with that. And people will be scared off of him, one, because of like this now playing time, you know, crunch, quote unquote, uh, and and the fact he's UT only. Bingo. That was Uh, literally my next thing. And I think he's he's a guy who you're going to have to draft as UT only. And then by the middle of the season, is going to have like three positions. I yep. bet. Yeah, he, he'll he'll gain first and likely third pretty quickly at some point. Yep, I, I totally agree there. All right, let's move on from Texas and talk about Alex Wood heading back to L.A. This makes. <laughs> I I told you, like we talked about this in the last episode. Like I'll feel comfortable about Ross Stripling if the Dodgers don't sign another guy before the start of the season. Tell you what, though, it, it didn't. It wasn't even a week. Alex Wood can't stay healthy to save his life. Did you see the so, contract they give him? No. What is it? Oh God, let me find it because it is like straight out of the screw uh, Kenta Maeda playbook. I I figured that's where you were going when you brought that up. It's. It, I mean, <laughs> it, it's it's so, like, um, <laughs> it's it's so convoluted, and it's like. It's got just a ton of somebody retweeted John Heyman's uh, thing on it. Um, oh, it was uh, um, uh, Patrick. Uh, um, oh God, I'm blanking his last name. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher it. Um, uh, from baseball uh, or for baseball HQ, Patrick uh, Dubke. Patrick David. No, no, the other one, the other Canadian. Patrick. Um, um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Spell it. Uh, it's it's uh, Patrick D U B U Q U E Dubuque Dubuque. Thank you. Um, he's a uh, baseball prospectus. Sorry, not not uh, not baseball. Uh, uh, not HQ. HQ. Uh, okay, but, so he but, <laughs> he tweeted because so Alex Wood gets it's six million dollar base salary. He gets okay. two hundred fifty thousand dollars for hitting each. Or for for ten points, twelve points, fourteen points, sixteen points, eighteen points, and twenty points. Five hundred K for twenty two points, twenty four points, twenty six points, twenty eight points. One point Wait, is one each point is a game started or a relief appearance when entering in the third inning or earlier, or pitching for three or more innings. The hell! Plus, he gets an extra five hundred K. When he reaches 110 innings, 120 innings, 130 innings, 140 innings, and 150 innings pitched. So, Patrick quote tweeted it, Alex Wood is the first person to play fantasy baseball by playing regular yeah, baseball. Exactly. Exactly. I'll retweet dude, it for anybody crazy. who wants to go through my timeline and find it. Uh, it's, it's an insane contract, and you know the Dodgers are going to mess around with it. Like, they have not been shy about doing it with Maeda, and you know, and Maeda is a way like, bigger part of that organization, like way more exactly. important, and they're willing to screw with him. Uh, they're obviously going to screw with Alex Wood, who's on a one-year deal. Yeah, and like I've, I've had some people in my in my comments when I wrote the stripling thing up, like 
say it's too cynical to, to think that they mess with my ADA like that. How, dude? Like, the writing is on the wall. How, how, how can just... you not, like, watch their usage of him? And uh, not understand it's tied to his contracting yeah. incentives, which for those that don't know, Maeda has a lot of contract ba- uh, innings-based contract incentives mm-hmm. where if he hits certain thresholds, he gets you know X amount of dollars, and seemingly every year in the second half, and it starts start putting him in the bullpen. Yeah, it's it's, uh, yeah, start, it's all okay, it's all yeah. based on how many starts he makes, and so yeah, they throw him into the bullpen about halfway through the season, uh, and if you look, I mean, the one year that. Like they weren't running away with the division was the year they let him make thirty two starts. Bingo, and and so they'll probably do the same thing this year. So bottom line here with Alex Wood, yeah, it it, it clouds up things for Ross Stripling, but Alex Wood has that deal because he cannot stay healthy. Stripling, despite my love and like where I've ranked him and everything, I'm not paying that. You know, he's mm-hmm. a three hundred pick guy, so it's not like I'm overpaying and he's going to go down from here. So I'm sticking with my Ross Stripling love. Uh, maybe in 12-teamers, I'm, I'm cooling, cooling my jets a little bit because I don't necessarily need a middle reliever. Uh, but in 15-teams, if he does become a middle reliever, I still think Stripling has some value. But uh, with Wood specifically, what are your expectations of him for 2020? I have zero. <laughs> you should. I mean, I, I guess you take a late pick on him in like a 50-round draft and hole. So yeah. draft champions like I'm doing I'm or you and I are both still doing our, our draft champions drafts from AFL uh, yes. where we did the first what 20 something rounds there and then we finish it out starting at the beginning of January uh, and I think I'm in round like 33 or 34 something like that I was just looking Let's see what we're uh, oh round 42. We- Oh, we're on 46. Yeah, home home stretching it here. So I wonder if where, he's even okay, still so available. In, uh, he was he was probably picked up right when he was signed. That's yeah, that's one of the interesting guess. things of these uh, of these drafts. Let me ask you while you're looking that up. 439 is his ADP since the new year for Alex Wood. It's going to go up now that he has a team. But but how high in your estimation? Uh, what did you say it was at? 439. 100 picks? Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see. 339 has got Jeff Samarja. Jesus. Jeff so, Samarja is so underpriced. Uh, and Anibal Sanchez and Chris Bassett and Pablo Lopez and Merrill Kelly. I take Kelly. all those guys ahead yeah, of so, like, I mean, let's. So I think 100 max. I think it's the it, highest. It, it could go I up. mean, I don't know that I would take him at Four thirty nine because four thirty nine's got Wade Miley, uh, Zach I would, Davies. I would Miley. Yep. Um, let's see, Jake Arrieta four sixty four. Like you, just, you know, they're not. They may not be great innings, but you're gonna get innings from Jake Arrieta. And yeah. so, I mean, the places where you're getting these guys is in in the really deep formats where you need those innings. So I just Spencer Turnbull is going four seventy two. I'd I'd rather take a shot on, on Turnbull. Brad Peacock. So yeah, I'm not I'm not taking Alex Wood. Like, yeah, I'm no, he's and okay. I, I mean I'm an Alex Wood well, guide or at least I have. Been. His health, I mean, it's just it's been he's so back, back tough. Issues, back yeah, and sixty, one fifty, one fifty. Those were nice, but then back to thirty six. So two of the last four years have been lost, 
and even his two good seasons there are still only a buck fifty, which is again you can you can make a really good season out of one hundred and fifty innings. I don't want to underplay that. Um, we, we, that's the but era the that is, we're in. Like for him to, I mean, obviously you can make good good seasons out of one hundred and fifty innings, but we're also talking about a guy who hasn't like thrown a strikeout, you know, over a strikeout inning virtually his entire career, unless you're going to count the sixty innings. Where he, you know, was you know in between starting and relief with the Dodgers in 2016, so, so it has to have the ratios. Yeah, so like let's say we peg him for one, uh, Steamer pegs him for 128, uh, with a 7.8 K per nine. That's that's 111 strikeouts. Like that's it's it's not worth the downside of the <laughs> 580 ERA we saw last year for the Reds. Mm-hmm. It's just not yeah. worth the trouble. Nope, I, I I fully agree there, and as such, um, it's it's a no for me with regards to Alex Wood. Okay, let's uh, let's continue on then. Daniel Hudson goes back to Washington, and again, they have absolutely turned this uh, this bullpen into a strength, which has been really impressive to see them do that. He finished brilliantly. Um, I kind of, I kind of thought another team would try to get him and, and maybe offer him that closers role, but he stays, he stays with the team that he kind of rebuilt himself with. He could get the closers role though. So they have Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle, Will Harris. I think those are the three candidates. Who closes? Mm, I think this is. Uh, I think this is kind of a closer by committee type situation. By design or because of health? Both. Yeah, that's actually, I think it's a fair answer. Uh, so, I mean, I think there's an argument to be made that Daniel Hudson passed Sean Doolittle on the depth chart during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I think that probably to start the season, you're going to see both these guys getting close, you know, getting opportunities to close. And they are a righty-lefty combo mm-hmm. there, so that you can definitely play it that way with Doolittle being the lefty. Um, so that kind of, you know, makes sense. You, you could mm-hmm. see it play out that way, and it wouldn't be crazy. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, both these guys are going fairly cheap. Like, Will Harris, I don't think, figures into this. Uh, you no. know, unle- unless there's an injury to Hudson, which is always possible, because Hudson has had a really hard time staying healthy throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I mean, you know, on that same <laughs> token, so Sean Doolittle, but Doolittle's going at like pick two Oh five. Currently, uh, Hudson's going over about a hundred picks later at three Oh two. Like neither of these guys cost a lot, but if you grab one, you need to grab the other. It just makes sense. And you know, you could really get, you know, sprinkle the magic health dust. You could really get a premium closer season out of one of them if one of them just took over the role. But uh, so I like the idea of handcuffing these two guys, Doolittle and, and Daniel in, Hudson. And if you're in a draft champions, grab Will Harris. He's going five thirty. Yeah, you might you might as well just because you just have fifty, take that 50 whole rounds. Bullpen. And you have Washington's bullpen. It's mm-hmm. unlikely that Tanner Rainey emerges and becomes the guy. He gives them a nice middle. Uh, there he showed some flashes last year, but you but can grab I him too at the end be... if you want. <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, he's really seven fourteen. Go like, just... but it's really going to be one of those three: Hudson, this, Doolittle. This Harris. would be the year, like the year I did a draft champions, and I was like, I'm just going to take the entire Washington bullpen, 
And so, like, I took Coda Glover and Sean oh, Kelly uh, and Blake Trinan, um, and I'm just, I can't even remember who the closer ended up being by the end of the season. But it was none of the four guys I took. Yep, I've been down. I've been on that path with this exact team, and um, yeah. But now that all of a sudden they have a strength with their bullpen here, I thought getting Hudson back was a great move. And um, I think he has to be in the closer mix there. Even if you believe in Doolittle, you can't ignore Hudson or Harris. All right, a couple more things here. David Peralta got extended. What's his 2020 outlook for you? Because I got to be honest, in my head, he played fewer games than he actually did. I think I I mentally tabbed him for kind of a lost season health-wise. And it wasn't really that. He played 99 games. I think it was, though. So I'm, I'm going to disagree think there. think so? I think, okay. he, I think part of the reason he struggled so much uh, was because he was hurt a lot and tried to play through it. So I, I think that this is a guy that should be expected to bounce back. Maybe not straight to 2018 numbers, but I think the fact that he didn't hit two... I mean, he's a career 290 hitter, hit 275 last year. I think part of that can be blamed on the fact that uh he was hurt uh mm-hmm. and i think we should bump him up to 20 home runs and uh i mean he's going very fairly cheaply at first i was like well i think this contract tells me he's healthy and the dime back healthy and then i saw the numbers on it and i'm like does it say that because he didn't get very much money what what <laughs> they three, give him? three years 22 million dollars oh okay could so some like of that be though that he year. is a? Could some of that though be that he's a late bloomer? I mean, he's gonna be thirty-two years old and a corner outfielder. Yeah, and know. I'm pretty sure he had you know a few years of arbitration left, so uh, or at least a year of arbitration left. So, uh, I mean, it could be. Um, I mean, at at the end of the day, he's going like pick two sixty-five, so it's not a bad value uh the question becomes what do you need at that point in a draft because 262 is nick solak Mm -hmm. and i think i'd rather have the upside on solak i think so too between those two but peralta is back now with with the with the washout year health wise Mm -hmm. he's back to being a late value where you can get batting average how I originally fell in love yeah. with his fantasy profile. You can also uh, get Nick hit... Madrigal there, though, who is supposed Ooh, to be yeah. a, a batting average guy. He's a contact machine, mm-hmm. dude. So, so, yeah, you could definitely do that. After Austin Riley going in that area. Okay. Uh, Mark Canha going in that area. You know, can I can I, can I I tangent real quick on, Can- on Canha? So, on it, it, you know, it's not... It's not total tangent because it's an outfielder and David Peralta is too. So on my stream, we watch the uh, the top ten now right now uh, rankings that MLB is doing, and they got Canha in their uh, in their left field ones, and I was a little surprised. I knew that he was great last year. He was truly great. Two seventy three, three ninety six, five seventeen with twenty six homers in four hundred ninety seven plate appearances, and it wasn't fully out of nowhere. He was a solid above average guy in 2018 as well, Canha was. But I'm curious how you feel about him for 2020 because I don't really know what to make of the 31-year-old who comes out of nowhere like that. You know, was it was it bouncy ball infused? Uh, or should we project him for a big fall? Was this just a random spike 
or was this the start of like you know that uh, one of those A's finds? I, I got to be honest, him Canha being on the A's puts me a little bit more intrigued than if he were on a different team. And I think it's just their development and their ability to find guys that makes me feel that way, right or wrong. But uh, I'm wondering what you really think of Canha for uh, for 2020. It was like top ten. Left yeah, because that's insane. He made, that <laughs> he made the top. Ten. Well, um, until you actually see the top ten left fielders, you might not think it was that insane uh, because it was it wasn't very good. Now I didn't get him in mine. I didn't have Canha because I was making my own list while while the okay, show was going I, I, on. I there. just sorted by you know 2019 stats and sorted There's, by left fielders. Uh, now Acuna doesn't play left field. Correct. He's not going to be so. left field. So l- let me pull that up too, because I'm going to tell you who wasn't counted for it. Neither is McNeil. He's going to be um, at third base rankings. Gardner wasn't either. He actually made their center field ranking, which I thought was a bit much. Like and uh, I mean, his stat cast numbers aren't like the only thing that is really red in his stat cast is hit by pitches. Sick. <laughs> yeah, had eighteen of them last year. Uh, I mean, everything is kind of pinkish, which means that uh, I mean, ex Woba is 80, 81st percentile. Hard hit percentage is in sixty fourth percentile. He's like fiftieth percentile in exit velocity. Uh, I mean, it, it's not like there's nothing that goes like jumps out of me on the Statcast page that I go, oh, this is a guy that really had a you know an underlying skill breakout in terms well, of stat cast metrics the hard hit jumped though from 34 mm-hmm. to 41 for canha and the walk rate went from 8 to 14 so he became a lot more selective and started to I, really find his i think pitch. the latter part of that is the part i start to agree with i i you you look he he swung less he swung outside the zone a lot less dropped it from his o swing from 31 to 25 mm-hmm. uh he didn't make more contact his contact percentages all dropped across the board. He was just making better contact. Which so, is a worthy, you know, that's yeah, a worthy endeavor there. I just don't know that he's going to I think I think the 26 home runs is a bit fluky. I think it comes down a little bit, especially when we're talking about a guy uh who had a 21% home run to fly ball rate. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes down maybe into the high teens, early, high teens, you know, high teens yeah. low twenties, especially with the playing time because he's not going to play every day. See, that's what I was going to get to as well because for Canha, they have six hundred sixteen plate appearances on depth charts there. I just don't and know how they, that happens. They, they just traded for Tony Kemp. Chad Pinder can play the outfield. Robbie Grossman is still there. They have guys that like if it doesn't. If he hits any sort of like cold snap, don't forget Dustin Fowler in the in the minors as well. So it's like Canha could be hanging on a wire if things go south. Like I think he's gonna, you know, he'll he'll be able to get a cold streak in there. But if he hits a lengthy cold streak, they've got options to say, okay, well, you're not what you were last year. Let's, he's a, he's a guy yeah. that has struggled against left-handed pitching. So, yeah, he has a reverse platoon. Yeah, interestingly he's a, enough, he, he's a career two thirty four. Uh, hitter against lefties and hit 221 against them last year. You can make a case that that slightly helps him, though, because then he's more inclined to be playing on the stronger side. That is true, and I think he probably will be a strong side platoon guy uh, at least to start, but 
yeah, I think Pinder and him could platoon maybe. So bringing it back full circle then, Peralta or Canha? Since they are going near each other. I think I'd still rather have Peralta. But it's okay. also, I think it's also dependent on what you need. So I think Canha probably has the better ceiling in terms of power. And it's Peralta got a bit more punch. Has a, just a safer overall floor and a safer average floor. Neither I think guy I trade steel bases. So, if if we're not saying Peralta's going to pop thirty again, which we're not projecting him for that, uh, which he did in twenty eighteen, I'm going to trade those handful of homers for the batting average because I just think getting batting average late is so difficult. So I'm going to lean Peralta, but uh, okay, I just want to get your thoughts there because we had an interesting talk about him after Canha made the uh, the top ten left fielder list there, and uh, you know, great season. I just don't know how much I feel about uh, about for next year. It's so interesting yeah. because right now roster resource has Jose, uh, Jorge Mateo starting in the minor leagues who has zero options and there's absolutely no way that they waive him. He would not get through. No way. <laughs> yeah. Because no yeah, some, some team, is, the first team eligible. So the Orioles will grab Jorge Mateo. So why, like, why, so why did uh, they get Tony Kemp then? I, I don't know, but didn't I, Kemp basically take Mateo's spot. Yeah, pretty much, but I, you got to think that, I mean, unless they're going to do something tricky with starting a guy on the IL to start the nah, year or... Bean will work it out. That, I, they, yeah. Pender was getting a lot of trade rumor early in the offseason. He could still be dealt, and, and then they there could, you go. They could get rid of Robbie Grossman. Like what, True. Like, I, I don't think he uh, he's on uh, a one-year $3.75 million deal. Yeah, he... So, he's a I mean, bit of an overkill as far as what they've got. Like he's a redundancy that I'm not sure that they necessarily I mean, need. Yeah. He he he's like a net negative in every. I mean he's a below average offensive player with a 88 WRC plus last year, a below average uh, defensive player. Uh, so I mean they could easily drop him, and then Pinder becomes the uh Pinder and Kemp become like the fourth fifth outfielders on the team mm-hmm. and, and that's how Mateo gets back up. Yeah. So stay tuned on that because we really like Mateo's speed. He could be an absolute uh, mm-hmm. stolen base asset. I'm, I'm for pairing sure. him and Barreto everywhere in draft champions. Oh for sure. For sure. Because you've got to feel like something's gonna pop there with one of them. And neither has options too. Um all right. So we're not gonna get into all the Correa or, or Cora Hinch Lunau stuff as far as you know, them getting suspended and, and fired and all that. I'm really just curious what you think this potentially does as far as impacting Boston and Houston this year. We hinted earlier that with even with Hinch and Lunau gone, Houston's not a bad club. They're still very good. But do you think there's any residual negative impacts that uh, that we could see with both of these teams losing their their beloved managers and also Houston losing their GM as well? I mean Unless you're a fan of trash can giveaways, team trash can giveaways, uh, when Houston comes to your city. <laughs> I don't think the majors are going to do it, but there's going to be a lot of minor there's league There's a ones. minor league team. The, the, the uh, Yankees single A team is doing yep, it. Staten Island. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, which has an awesome clubhouse because we drafted there one year. Yes, um, and a very cool park that's on the water. Yes. So cool. It is, it is very cool. Uh, but no, I don't, I don't think this has – well – it may have an impact. I don't know what it is. And I don't. I think if anybody out there is telling you they know what it is, they're lying to you. 
I don't think you can do anything to like the projections of any. First off, Boston didn't have the same sort of setup, so I think you can put them out right away as far as uh, it hurting them. But even with the Houston guys, like who are you really pushing down that you thought got this major advantage that now they're going to fall apart, right? Like I just, I just don't see it, and as such. I'm not moving anything. And if people want to push Houston guys off their list, sign me up. And I know our boy Ian Khan says he's going to do exactly that. That's I love Ian. I love but him. I disagree but with yeah, that. No, I mean, if you want to do that, that's fine. You don't tell people you're doing that. That's, oh, that's all. Yeah, good point. But I just, I don't I, even think it's fine to do it. I, I, I don't see the value. You want to play in leagues with people like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, and normally I don't want to play in his leagues because he's very good. He's great. But he's, won, he's, he won he's giving me his first year in tout head to head. Yeah, but he's giving me an advantage back if he's if he's really pushing Houston players off his list. And you know, it was the heat of the moment. Maybe he was just angry within that uh, exact moment when talking about it. And he's maybe a push Yankees come to shove. And that is yeah. upset that they cheated their way to a World Series. Exactly. Uh, and I understand the vitriol, and so maybe he was engaging in some mm-hmm. hyperbole. But bottom line, you can't you can't be doing that. And no, if anyone's because, thinking I mean, of it, doing that, I it, discourage If you're going to you. start, I mean, and I have the same argument when people make the arguments, well, I'm not going to draft Aroldis Chapman or Roberto Osuna uh, or, or guys that have, you know, committed uh, domestic violence. And, like, that's fine. If that's where you want to stick your flag, like more power to you. Um, but I'm going to take advantage of the the discount. Like I'm just sure. like, like my morals. You know, would I want them like pitching on my slow pitch softball team? No, like no, I wouldn't. But uh, for my fantasy team, I I want to win, and I'm gonna do whatever. I, I'm gonna be very Astros Astros esque and say yeah. I'm gonna do whatever it takes to win. Uh, as long as it's within the rules and it's legal to draft these guys, and so I'm going to. Yeah, and I and I like it. I get it with regards to uh, the the domestic violence guys. If 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 your morals are there and you don't want to take them, I understand that because part of this has to be fun. And if you just have no interest in in even half heartedly rooting for those guys, I can understand that more than the Houston thing, though. To be honest, um, because. As far as like the cheating stuff and, and banging on the drums and getting signs, nobody's front porch is clean on that. And we're already seeing it. New York and, and Boston getting in some heat just last week about it. And, uh, you know, uh, Lomo out on Instagram outing other ball clubs. And before you ever get high and mighty, if you're if you're a, a rival of one of the teams that's getting called out, you better make sure your house is clean. And no it's why I don't. Clean. No, I mean, no house is clean. That's why yeah. I never revel in college programs getting murked for uh, improprieties with players as a Texas guy. Because I know that if they came knocking, there's no way that everything's on the up and up. There's too much money in, in Texas athletics to not have some stuff going on. Now, of course, they've failed to do anything with it, so they're cheating <laughs> poorly. Yeah. Uh, but there's no way that they're not. So I have a much easier time just taking all the Astros, even the ones that – even if they came out and said, "Yeah, I used the the trash can thing," I don't care. Versus the 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 DV guys, but um, you know, I wouldn't make any moves in my projections on Boston or Houston guys, despite losing their managers this year. And so that's where I'm going to put it with that. All right, I think that 
yeah, if, if we see something else that makes it worth doing, sure. But I don't know. I think Houston's just going to bring up Joe Espada, a guy who was uh, rumored for some potential jobs this year. Seems like an easy fit to go into the uh, dugout for them and then maybe name an interim GM. I don't know what Boston's going to do. The bottom line, though, is while these were two good managers, managers don't make such a crazy difference that you have to freak out that those two aren't there, particularly with hitters, right? With pitching and, and bullpen choices, yeah, but that's not what this is related to. So anyway, that's going to wrap us up. Great talking with you. We still got the hot stove cooking. Uh, as we kind of wrap up with Ozuna, Puig, and Castellanos, the remaining hot tickets left, you have any ideas on where they're going to go? Just off the top of your head? I didn't mean to fire up an entire new conversation, but those are the three guys, and we're not hearing anything on them right now. Yeah, I think it'll be. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see one of them end up in Atlanta if Arenado becomes, or even St. Louis if you know Arenado becomes and Bryant becomes too expensive for those clubs to go after. What you know, we didn't mention this because his defense is so horrid there. But what about Castellanos for Atlanta, and then he could play some third. Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense. And, I mean, do you really want Nick Markegas being the everyday guy in left field? Like, he's only 47 years old, dude. Yeah. He's fine. Leave so, him alone. I mean, I think they make a lot of sense. Who was the third one? Was Puig. Not, oh, Puig. God, man, how is Puig not signed? Uh, it'll be interesting to see if any of them take, like, a one-year pillow contract. Yep. Like, I could totally see Puig doing that. Um, I mean, Back to Cleveland for, for Puig? I mean, there had been rumors earlier in the offseason that San Francisco could get involved. Yeah. Uh, so. I, I And trade rumors actually projected the Tigers to get Puig. I would buy a Puig jersey so freaking fast, your head would spin. Like, I, w- I would love that on like a one-year with the idea of hopefully trading him at the deadline. I don't know how likely that is, but that'd be so cool. Um, but, yeah, Jake Bowers, Oscar Mercado, and Greg Allen is is the outfield right now. And, obviously, they got Delano DeShields. Who's a uh, you know good fourth outfield type and could take the take one of the jobs and Jordan Luplu or Luplau is a great uh, lefty killer there so he can platoon with Bowers but their outfield needs help Puig seems like a great fit to go back there and yeah. we're know. just getting to a point where teams are kind of rolling with what they've got yeah so so we'll see what happens wonder, but anyway yeah you wonder what I mean what team is really going to want to jump into the mix right now so those are. Definitely the three best guys left. We'll stay tuned on them. If we get any rumors, we'll talk about it later. But otherwise, uh, that does it for us today. Justin, great talking with you. Always a pleasure.